Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dreams Unlimited Travel Podcast. My name is John Magi, and I'll be your host. And in this episode, we're going to be answering some of your questions that are specifically cruise-related. I'm joined at the table by our panel of experts, Client Services Manager for Dreams Unlimited Travel, Kevin Close. Bon voyage, everybody. Agent Consultant for Dreams Unlimited Travel, Tracy Heinrichs. Hi, everyone. I had nothing of that. (laughs) (laughs) You have no no tagline? No. Back in our production facility, we have our producer, Craig Williams. Ahoy. (laughs) Tracy failed. I failed. Epic fail. You could have done, like, anchors away. I could have done that. Or I I could have said, just eat it. (laughs) (laughs) So, as I mentioned, we have, uh, I've gathered up some cruise-related questions. I thought we'd try to get questions sort of in a theme for this show. Um, They came in to us through Facebook, Twitter, and email. So, if you have questions we're not answering specifically on our shows, please send them. I collect them, I keep them, and then we try to do a show uh, when we have enough that we feel would make a decent show. So let's get started with question number one. Where is the ble- blah 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 blah? Where is the best place to stay on the ship so that my family feels the least motion? Um, I don't know that this is specific to a cruise line. I mean, I don't know. You know, we're not looking to tell no. you exactly where to stay on, say, a Disney ship. But there are think of the ship as a seesaw. If you look at a playground seesaw. The center of the the seesaw moves the least. The ends go up and down. And the lower you are on the ship, the less you feel the motion. Lower and center. That's going to be the the least motion. Yeah. And then the issue becomes lower means you're not on a balcony. So you have to think about if that's important. And then there's a hole. I will say this. Chris has motion sickness issues. So we try to, as long as we're not right at the very end, if we're about, usually, you know, where the, the... Typically, there's aft elevators. We like the aft area of the ship. There's aft elevators. If we're around that area, he tends to be okay. Um, He also is okay when he's in bed laying down. So when people ask about motion and where do I feel the least amount of motion, think about you're only talking when you're in your stateroom. (laughs) So if you're in the restaurants, you're in the theaters, that's where you're going to get your most motion because they're always at the extremes of the ship. So it's all relative. I mean, I think people... Sometimes people put a lot of stock into this. And when it comes down to, like, I talk to Chris about this all the time, and he says, it it doesn't matter a whole lot because I'm fine when I'm in bed laying down. I don't have motion issues. I I like, I I really enjoy being very close to, like, the stairwells. um, So I enjoy that as much as possible. But when I am sleeping... I want to be either at the very front or the very back because I I love the motion. I don't get (laughs) sick at all, but it just puts me to sleep like nothing else. I am lucky. I don't have, I don't have this issue. I never have. Um, it it just, it's that's, if you're looking, if that's the, the hardcore lower and center. Keep in mind, too, you're dealing with ocean liners. You're not dealing with a rowboat. So as these ships get bigger and bigger, there's less chance of feeling motion at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. I feel like when you go on something like the Oasis or the Allure uh, for Royal Caribbean, I feel no motion at and all. Sometimes you think, are we moving? Yeah, the yeah. only time on the Oasis was the last podcast cruise on the day that we had terrible weather yeah. right at the end. That's the only time on that size of a ship that I've ever felt any motion at all. And typically going out of Florida, I know Chris always 
has issues the first night and the last night. That's because um, you have to cross the Yeah, when you're crossing. Once we're there, it's okay, and that's why he continues to cruise. Um, on our recent Alaska cruise, um, there was a little bit of issue the first day, again, for that same reason. Right. Um, but, again, it's the stateroom. So there's a lot of factors that go into your stateroom. We've talked about it before. You have to decide what's most important because not always do we get all of those things in perfect sync. Right. I just feel like I think people think they're going to just feel constant motion right. on a ship. And I don't think that's the case at all. Right. Unless you have an inner ear No, problem we've been on ships that were really moving. But it's usually short-lived. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Question number two. When is the least expensive time to sail when you want to go? <laughs> no, when you don't want to go. Shoot, I screwed that up. <laughs> when you can't go is the least expensive time to sail. And I say that facetiously f- for some part of it, but it's kind of true. It kind of is true. You know, it, the least a time, the least expensive time to sail is when not a lot of people want to sail. Yep. It's, it's supply and demand. That's what it's about. So summer months when the kids are out of school, not going to be the least expensive time to sail. Right. Um, Thanksgiving you know, weekend, Christmas. Yep. Right. So anytime around a holiday is always expensive. Easter, spring break. And this is true across cruise lines. Of course, it's proportionate. Disney will tend to be a little bit more expensive than other cruise lines, sometimes a lot more. So it's proportionate. I think Disney may be slightly more affected by school schedules and holidays than some other cruise lines. Um, Because of their kid population. Yeah, exactly. But generally speaking, um, it's those times. So you want to, if you don't have to go in the summer then don't um also times when there's traditionally bad weather tends to be cheaper so you know hurricane season as Um, an adult traveler i have learned that some of my favorite times to travel are may and october usually even if you're going to some place that experiences colder weather it's less likely to be extreme I mean, you can run into anything. Usually prices are lower. It's the shoulder season for a lot of places, traveling Mm -hmm. to Europe, cruises. I find May and October, as an adult, Mm -hmm. I do not have to worry about children in school. Yep. January um, can be often a good time. You know, after Christmas, people aren't thinking of, you know, of really, you know, traveling often. And keep in mind, again, it could be a weather issue. So depending on where you're going, if you're just going to the Bahamas in January, there's a chance it's going to be cool. You know, yeah. So you think about Florida weather in January, you see very similar weather in the Bahamas. Yeah, and um, Castaway Key is not fun when it's only like 65 degrees outside. Right. It and is windy. very cold. Yeah, they we haven't can, figured out how to heat the ocean there yet. We can talk about Alani. Yeah. We have found that there's a difference in water temperature. The weather, the, the climate yeah. is the same, but the water temperature is different between February and May. Mm-hmm. And we have found that we like warm water. And then again, it depends also on your destination. We talked about Alaska on a previous right. cruise. That has a shoulder season. Yep. So, you know, there's going to be these times yep. where it's least expensive, again, because they're not the most popular right. times to go. And again, when you, if you are working with an agent, when you are working with an agent, it's important to kind of know things. It's really hard when, when somebody comes to me and they says, I can go anytime. Just tell me when the best time to go is. I can't do that. Like, it's not like I have a mass... Uh, you know, a massive calendar that tells me, okay, this week, this week, and this week. Mm-hmm. I only know by searching each individual sailing and date. Right. There's no mass way for me to do that. So we need a starting point. And if you're <laughs> talking about sailing in Europe, keep in mind that although you have spring or July and August off, it's very common for Europe, Europeans, to take either of those months off, mm-hmm. especially August. So you might run into things that are closed, a tr- um, 
sites or uh, tourist spots mm-hmm. that are right. closed because of Europe on holiday. What is, let's say historically, what is the absolute cheapest time? Do you think January is the cheapest I think time? January is up there, September. Um, often early December, kind of the time after Thanksgiving into early December can be. Um, I think those are the ones that come to mind the right. most, most, with some exceptions time. in between. Um, like if you're, you know, January and February, you want to avoid the holidays. Yep. That are in and you want to, um, you think spring breaks everybody says well when is spring break this year i get asked that a lot that varies from state to state county to county country to country used to when i was in school a hundred years ago everybody had spring break now spring break rolls it can be anywhere from mid-february to almost mid-may depending on how the school or school calendar works you also have to deal with the northern schools which have president's week and they also have um winter break Mm-hmm. So those things can affect. And New Jersey has New Jersey Teacher Week. Teacher Week, where all the schools close yes. in New Jersey, yeah. and they and it's, all come to Walt Disney. Yes, World. it's become Jersey Week at Disney Jersey World, Week, the yeah. unofficial holiday of Disney World. And even in people in New Jersey, we yeah. refer to it as Jersey Week too. So. so yeah, so if I had to pick times a year, I would probably pick around like those are the ones that come out or come to mind the most. If you're booking for September, or October, August, September, or October, you should book trip insurance. Please, this to our next question. When is the best time to add trip insurance to my cruise reservation? So I assume the person's asking, should I just add it right when I book right away, or is it should I wait? So the thing is with insurance is that it hasn't kicked in until you pay for it. So keep that in mind. So we can add it to your cruise when you first book, um, and then you pay for it with final payment. Disney Cruise Line has recently changed, and actually all the cruise lines will do this, where you can actually pay for the insurance at the time of booking, um, and then it kicks in right away. Um, but keep in mind, it's non-refundable once you pay for it. Right. It's like any other insurance. We've said this right. on other shows. It's like your house insurance. You can't say, oh, I'm not going to use it, so I want my money back. Right. But as you long, know, in my opinion, as long as with a cruise line, as long as you're in full refund, I don't see a reason to book travel insurance. And also, I think, might depend on the deposit amount. Right? If you go into on a cruise that has a high deposit amount for some reason. Yeah, but your deposit maybe. is refundable up to a certain point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. True. So if it's non refundable, so in the case of like suites, um, Royal Caribbean has, has come out with a non refundable program. So if it's a non refundable, then I think definitely earlier is I better. Would agree. Um, but if you're looking at a refundable deposit, you can get into a whole issue with pre existing conditions and stuff, but we're not going to go there. Diabetes. There are still bruises. <laughs> but. Um, you want to keep in mind that we can add it at any point in the process. Um, if you don't want it to be active, you pay for it with final payment. So we can add and remove it as long as it's not been paid for. Once final payment's been made, or it, insurance can no longer be added. I just want to add that an aside. We're not making fun of people with diabetes. No, no, no. We have a past experience talking about travel insurance where the word diabetes came up about 300 <laughs> times. So it's really a dig at me. <laughs> I just don't want anyone to think that we laughed at the word right. diabetes. Excellent. All right. So we've done that to death. I mean, trip insurance is another weird topic that we can go on It forever. doesn't have to do with Cruise Line, but there's a new policy with Adventures by Disney and travel insurance. So if you're interested in finding out what that is or need more information, you can write to me. I gotta tell you, travel insurance I think is the bane of everyone's existence sometimes. It's such a necessity. Like I can't yeah. tell you enough how much I agree with that you should have it if you're taking a trip. Yeah. Um but it, it's such a difficult thing. 
on our end to properly explain because we're limited to what we can say about exactly. it, what it covers, what it doesn't. Um, and then from the point of view of the client trying to get information about it. You feel like you're hiding something, but I actually come out and tell people, listen, I cannot quote what it will and will not cover. Exactly. I am not an insurance adjuster or an insurance company. Right. We just I give them the phone number of the insurance company that we're working with, or I tell them where they can go to look at other insurance policies. And because so much of it is dependent on very personal information, that you should discuss that with the insurance company itself. Exactly. All right, moving on. Our next question. Can you explain my time dining on Royal Caribbean and how it works? Yes, I can. Excellent. <laughs> next question. Next question. <laughs> as, as interesting as it is, we always take my time dining, but it doesn't affect us. It doesn't. Right. We don't, because you, you're in suites. Or you're doing specialty dining, or both. So that's. I don't understand. No one does that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not everyone does it's that. It's true. It's true. Strange as it is. Um, so with my time dining, basically what it is, and I think the people that have the most difficulty with this are our Disney Cruise Line clients who are switching to another cruise line or trying another cruise line because it's such a foreign concept to the Disney concept. Disney Cruise of Line eats with military precision. Right. right. Disney <laughs> dining is an event, um, and other cruise lines sometimes, like I, I say this all the time, like sometimes eating is just eating. <laughs> Like sometimes I just want to eat. Exactly. Um, so with my time dining, how it works is with other cruise lines, most will still have traditional dining times. So they'll still have your first and your late seating. My time is a third option. It's a separate area of the same dining room, usually a floor. I'm noticing on some ships it's becoming two floors. It's mm -hmm. becoming more popular. Um, so what that means is you are not set at an early or late dining time. So you don't have a set appointment for dining every night. With my time dining, you can choose, and there's different ways you can choose. So you can choose in advance, or you can do in part of your cruise planner and your online check-in. You can decide each night what time you're going to eat based on the schedule or based when you want to eat. Our problem is always early might be 5.30 and late maybe 8.15, but I like to eat at 6.30. Mm -hmm. So I may still go in and book every night at the same time, but is at a time that works for me. Um, so you can do that or book different different times right. each night, whatever you want to do. Um, or once you're on the ship, you can book for the entire week if you want or day by day in advance for that night. Or you, the third option is just to show up at the restaurant, yeah. the My Time Dining restaurant, when you're ready to eat. When you do that, it's like going to any restaurant. You'll wait for the next available table. There may be a longer wait or a shorter wait, depending on when you go. We notice if you go a little bit earlier, it tends to be a less wait. Yeah. Um, usually that 6.30 to 7.30 time tends to be busiest. That's one of the things I've, I've noticed quite a bit is that people who get upset who are saying, well, I booked My Time Dining. Why do I have to wait for a table? Well, you've got to wait for a table. Right. It's a, or a server or something like that. You right. can't just, it's not just that it's a buffet and you can go right. and sit anywhere. It's actually no. a server has to come. And what you want to know about my time as well, sorry, Craig, no. is you want to know that um, you may or may not have the same table and serving team every night. Sometimes when you're on my time and you have a regular schedule, they will try to do that for you. Um, I can say for us, for whatever reason, it never works out that way. We seem to be at a different table, different location, whatever. It doesn't matter to so me. I know that get going that thing in. Where your server knows what you want to drink right. or what your preference is. And so, are. if that's important to you, that relationship with your server, and for some people it is, you'd like to know that when you sit down, he already knows what you want to drink. Um, then it might not be for you. So you want to know that. Um, you want to know. You can choose whether you want your own table or to be seated with other people. 
when you're doing my time dining. Um, you can just you can even choose that daily if you want. So you probably won't have the same table mates every night. Although I have heard of cases where on that first night table melds, they like together. Hey, let's just book this table for the rest of the week, mm-hmm. and they go ahead and do that. It just gives you a level of flexibility that really works for me and the way I like to cruise. One of the things that I like, I want to go to Craig next, but then one of the things I like about it is it also leaves you the flexibility of what's going on on the ship. Right. You know, if you're at a port a little bit later that day, you might want to eat a little bit later. Right. So, you know, you're not locked into that. I also think it's great for people. I'm not hungry. I, I can't promise you I'm going to be hungry at 530. Right. And I find as I get older, eating at 830 is kind of late. I also travel with people who are older than me, and eating that late is difficult. But we're also, when we travel, it's like if we didn't get into a dining room or a specialty restaurant, we can go to the buffet or go get exactly. a, a burger or yeah, hang out somewhere. Right. Yeah. Craig, what do you want to uh, say? I was just going to say I'm in the, the mode of I, with any time dining, uh, my time dining, I am a sole proponent of never book a time for it. Uh, the obvious benefit is... When you walk up, if you see that there's a line right away, you can just walk away and be like, okay, well, I'll check back in maybe 15, 20 minutes, see if there's still a line instead of being booked at your time. And then you're standing there waiting and waiting and waiting. And like I had to talk my sister down off a ledge when we were on Princess for the very first night. Like, well, we need to make a reservation. It's like, no, you don't. It's because she's only cruised Disney, so she's used to those right. those time structures. Kind of rigid. I'm like, I'm like, no, you don't. Let's just relax. Let's let's enjoy it. And the other thing that I, I would point out too, I know it's just itinerary based, but when you really start to see it, is on an itinerary like Alaska, where on Disney, it, depending on how long you're in the ports on some of those days, you can miss out. Like if you. If you have to be back on the ship at five o'clock for your first seating, you might miss it. Even at eight thirty, with some of the stops that we had, we would have had to come back on when we still had time to go out and explore. And that's where the where anytime my time dining just benefits is you don't have to miss out on anything because of it. I love I love when I'm with my wife and we get dressed up for dinner and we we go out and we do that whole structure. But you know that's that's different. If I'm on the go, I want to just be able to enjoy. What was the I last want. cruise we were on? What was the last Royal cruise we were on? You did the Oasis. The Oasis in February. Do you remember the hysteria around dinner time? Yes. People, before the dining room would open up, they were lined up all the way into oh, yeah. the promenade. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Well, it's going to be dinner time. You do know you can wait like 20 minutes, you know? And then now, when they this- do open the dining room, there is a horde of people. Yeah. And that's not shocked. even the my time folks. No, no. This is the first. Uh, it happens on every ship I've ever been on. And it everybody gathers out there and they wait for the doors to be open. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you've got a table, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I get annoyed with people who show up a half hour late. But if I know the doors are opening at 530, I'm going to leave my stateroom and kind of walk down towards there at 530. So when I get there. The doors are open. For some reason, this this cruise, it seemed like they were much angrier. We ran into a lot of people who were very angry about it. And I thought, what is, you know, they there's food hangry. everywhere. They were hangry. They were Just hangry. So we can, we've talked a lot about river cruising. On a river cruise, there is one dining room, and dinner is at 7 o'clock. You don't have to go to dinner, but that means you don't eat. <laughs> exactly. You can still get stuff around the ship sometimes. And if you want uh, dinner... If you want Let's use the word dinner. Yeah. You go to the dining room at seven o'clock. However, it seems a little 
it's a little more genteel than it was on the, on the, the, the it was like, oh my gosh, they might not have dinner tonight. We better get there early or they're going to run out. It's my dinner and I need it now. Right. It was, it was crazy. All right. Our next question. Do other cruise lines besides Disney have fireworks? Uh, for those who don't know, Disney Cruise Line is the only ship at sea that I know of that has a license to shoot fireworks from yeah, their cruise the ship. Cruise line. That's as far as I know as well. Have uh, you ever been on a Disney cruise where you see other ships parked around? <laughs> yes, that's Almost what I was going to say. <laughs> Almost everyone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, they have fireworks. It's just going off the Disney ship. <laughs> Kathleen, my assistant Kathleen, is on a cruise this week with her kids, and she goes, what do you think they'll do? Will they shoot fireworks? I said, no, they're going to pull up next to a Disney ship. That's right. She's <laughs> on a Ralph They're Cruise actually cruise. leaving today, so they will be away for 4th of July. July. Yeah. Do you think we'll see fireworks? Yes, but they'll come off a Disney <laughs> ship. <laughs> and it's very cool. It's a very cool thing, and they do it for the parties and stuff, and it's awesome. But yeah, Disney is the only ship that has it that they are allowed so to So if you want to see fireworks on your cruise... No matter what cruise you do, make sure the itinerary matches up with the Disney cruise somehow. <laughs> exactly. um, our next question. Disney Cruise Line used to have what they called land sea cruises. Do they still have these? And if not, how can I book the same thing? So technically, yes and no. So the old reincarnation or the old... Incarnation. Incarnation, thank you. Not a re, because then it would be a new. (laughs) Gotcha. So the old incarnation of this was very rigid. So you would say at these resorts, and then you would get this category, and it was all done in one price. And it was three days on land and four days at sea, or four days on land and three days at sea? there was no moving from that. So they did away with that and kind of had nothing. And now they're going back to it a little bit. But I would tell you, don't even worry about this land sea thing, what they're doing. If you want to go to Disney and a cruise, we can figure that out. Yes, absolutely. So we can then book the cruise that you want, whether it's three, four, five, or seven nights. We can then book the length of stay at Disney that you want. We book them separate. I know with Disney cruise line you can add resort rooms and if it's just one night pre or post cruise sometimes we'll just do it through the cruise line it's nice and simple um, but as soon as you get into a stay at world where it's a little bit longer maybe you want some tickets and some dining you want to actually have you know two things going on we're best to book that direct with disney that way if there are any discounts or promotions or specials we can get it for that part of the trip and it's separate from what cruise line yeah. is doing and cruise line i would suggest you book the cruise first because we can fit you in better at Walt Disney World. Yeah, and the cruises book way farther in advance usually. Right. So unless you're booking last minute, like don't wait until you can book. You, know, you wouldn't wait to book your 2019 package and wait for your cruise at that point. Right. If you were doing that, your cruise should have already been booked. Chances are we're going to be able to get you a room at World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but book the cruise first. Right. Book the cruise when you can. I think you said this, but isn't it, wasn't it true that we were running into when there was a Lancy package, let's say they did release free dining or something. It couldn't be done. Right. right. Couldn't yeah. add it a to Lancy package, you couldn't do any discounts that were being done at Disney World. Right. So they were two separate things. Like Disney, it's weird with Disney, but every little division is its own company. It is. It's lots of little countries. Yeah. Well, the, other thing too was, the other thing, too, is that there was availability weirdness because Disney Cruise Line was holding certain rooms right. for the land sea. Right. But then they would say, okay, no, you can't stay at exactly. something up. That's exactly Port true. Orleans French Quarter. Right. 
But you would go to the regular inventory, and those rooms would be there. Right. People would be like, well, I don't Because understand. their package was put together that if you stayed at, you could stay at a moderate hotel and be in category five, six, or seven. Yeah. You could stay at a value hotel and be in an inside. So they assumed if you were a value resort at Disney that you were an inside person on the cruise. So it, there was a lot of assumptions being made, and I think it was because they were buying room space. Yep from Disney that was very specific and they still do that a little bit so if you wanted to add a pre or post night through cruise line they don't have all room types available either so you're typically looking at standard rooms at that point so always better do it separate yeah that's what I say we can put it together for you we can can modify it I'm also going to extrapolate this out to Royal Caribbean and Universal ugh don't well, the good news is is we do have a few agents who really do this and specialize in it. So if it's something you're interested in, I can get you to those agents. Royal Caribbean and Universal, do they still have those packages? Is they that- do, and that's why I say don't because it's such a nightmare. These yeah. packages are a nightmare. There's still um, there's so many quirks and kinks between Universal yeah. and Royal Caribbean that... You, you think of Universal on its own, the fact that the resorts aren't owned by the same people who are doing the parks, and then you add a cruise line into that as well. Yeah, that's so a completely there's, different company. Right. So it's so difficult to figure out um, who should be responsible for what and what's all included. So it's not to say that doing a Royal Caribbean cruise and a Universal isn't a great idea. It's a great vacation. Uh, but again, it may be something we look at separately as they're ironing out know, the yeah. kinks of yeah. what this package is going to look like. Absolutely, positively, we look at it separate. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that right it, away. We never sell the Lancy But you package. also can do one from category A and one from category B. You can do yep. a Disney cruise and a Universal stay. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, with Universal, with the theirs, I know it's been uh, four years since I did it. Uh, but the big issue was the communication between Universal and Royal Caribbean. Yeah. And that is... That can be very stressful. So if you are easygoing and you're okay with maybe uh, that, like, not exactly knowing what time am I going to get picked up? Well, generally, they pick people up at noon. Like, okay, I, I guess I'm fine with that. If you're that person who needs that, like, I need to know where exactly I need to stand at what time and when they're going to get me, then yeah. it's probably not the right way. But if you're easygoing, could be. Book them separately. Yeah. Again, and I understand we, they've worked on it a little bit. Yeah. So, but I have to tell you, as agents, we've had a lot of issues yeah. with those packages because we need to have things pretty firm to go to our clients with. So it's not that we still can't do it. And like Kevin said, you know, between Royal Caribbean, other cruise lines, Disney Cruise Line, Universal, Walt Disney World, we can put together whatever right. vacation you want. Right. We specifically with, sure with far more um, flexibility. Elasticity. Yeah. yeah. We specifically have agents who who do this quite a bit. Yeah. Who do Royal Caribbean Universal combined stays, not in a package, but they'll put it together for you, and they're yep. very good at it. So that does help you. All right, moving on to our next question. Royal Caribbean seems a lot cheaper than Disney and goes to most of the same places, but I've read that they charge you for every little extra. Is it cheaper to book a Royal Caribbean cruise even after you pay the extra charges? Could be, maybe, sometimes. It's so hard to say because a lot of these extra charges are such a personal thing. Not everybody's going to pay the extra. So a lot of the extras are for things that maybe everybody wouldn't pay for. So, you know, if you're an adult couple, you're not going to pay for Kids Club after 9 o'clock. So that's irrelevant to you. Um, A big thing is, you know, a lot of people point to the soda. Well, soda's free on Disney, but I have to buy a soda package or pay individually in Royal Caribbean. You know, you got to think to yourself, how much soda can you drink? How much soda is your family? And even if you think, if the soda is is important to you and you add the package, 
you can add that into your price. I can tell you there's some times where when we, for a family, when you start to consider all the extras, the gap narrows and they decide it's not worth it for them to go from what they know and love, which is Disney. Um, it's often based on the ages of their kids at the time, what else is being offered, what's being done. Um, there's a lot of people who are still hesitant to jump ship and try something new. And I get that the gap can be narrowed when they start to think of all the extras. Now, there's benefits to some of these extras on Royal Caribbean. You can get a beverage package. You can get a drink package for alcohol, whereas with Disney, you can't. Disney has a wine package you know, that you could do for dinner. Um, they have some kind of a beer thing where you can get a mug and get reduced refills. <laughs> yeah. But that I wouldn't call a package. Um, no. So for some people, that's a benefit, the fact that they can get um, – I'm finding, as I'm doing other cruise lines, internet packages are important to me. Internet packages tend to be a little bit better on cruise lines outside of Disney. Um, so there's little extras. Sometimes there's extras that you're paying for that are hear, good value. I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I hear about the um, extra dining uh, options. Mm-hmm. Will you have to pay for them? Will you do that on Disney, too? Yeah. There are fewer of them, but if you want to go to Palo or Remy, right. you pay. And I think what happens on Disney as well is, as I we had mentioned before, the dining room is an event. Mm-hmm. Their dining is an event. The, they do dining well for the most part. There's been ex- there's some exceptions, of course. You might get a, you know, some service issues or some food quality issues, but for the most part, they're doing dining well. I do find on other cruise lines, um, the main dining room is not the same quality and level as a Disney dining room. So there might be extra charges um, to do specialty that you wouldn't have on Disney because you're getting... I find that you have to pay for specialty to get a similar quality to what main dining is on Disney. So you may find that, but that's also not true for everybody. For some people... um, what is being served in the main dining room is more than fine. Uh, yeah. So they don't have to pay for the specialties. It can come to just preference. Right. Sometimes it's, you know, I just, if I like the food, I'm not really noticing the fact that it might be of a lower quality right. because it's what I want at the right mm-hmm. time. So um, you can kind of narrow that gap. But One for- of the things that people get hung up on is that, <clears throat> well, Royal Caribbean just has one dining room where Disney has three dining rooms. And what you want to explain to them is, yeah, physically that's the true that's true of the space, but it's not like you're eating the same menu, the same food every night. Right. Is that Disney has perfected this rotational dining right. where the dining room is part of the experience. But again, you're limited to two times, early or late seating. Right. And so, um, you know, you have to sort of it takes some explanation of how to get it around does. those. And issues. I think if you're if you're new to cruising especially, it's hard to imagine with one restaurant, you, you're, they're thinking of it as a restaurant where one restaurant has one menu. Right. And they're not realizing that every night is a new menu. I mean, there's some staples that will be consistent throughout the menu, but there's some variety and some change. Now, so I that's would only also, the space you're eating in. I would tell you that on the Royal Caribbean ships, most of the time, the menu that is being served in the dining room is available upstairs at the buffet. Often, yeah. So... If that's yeah. your, if you yeah. are a sh- I want to eat in my shorts and t-shirt kind of guy, yeah. you can get a lot of the main dining room food upstairs with no line, no hassle, no dressing up, just eat. And I'll say that with Disney, I talk about the main dining room and the elevated level of food. The main reason I like other cruise lines is because of dining. Disney is just too restrictive, too regimented, too schedule-based, and it just doesn't work for me. Do you know what bothers me about Disney dining? That 
first of all, it's an event. You said it. I don't always want to take that long. And the other thing is that it's all those people at the same time. I find that sometimes it's a little unnerving. Those dining rooms can be a little tight. I like to, as I said, if we went to the main dining room and it was crowded, we are at a point where it's like, do you want to go get pizza in the promenade? Do you want to go order room service? Do you want to see if we can get into a specialty restaurant? We are way more flexible right. about dining, and I like that. I am not good about you have to eat at 5.30 or 8.30. I, just, I like that there's so many – there's different places for me to eat. So I can have specialty tonight. I can go to the main dining tomorrow night for at least two or three nights on a cruise. I'm probably just going to the buffet for dinner. Um, I don't have that flexibility with Disney. I don't have the flexibility with Disney to eat when I want to eat. If you miss certain – very restrictive hours even during the day you're you're restricted to only a few choices and i know many many people love that and i don't mean to diminish that no, absolutely yeah but for people me like part of cruising that doesn't work so yeah. the flexibility of dining is probably the biggest thing that pushes me to other cruise lines just to come back around on the upcharge aspect of it uh, i in terms of like royal caribbean specifically i just want to say like as a young Young person, a younger couple that does enjoy drinking on cruises. I have had cruises, and I don't, I don't overdrink. So I don't want people to think that I'm pounding back twenty-two drinks a day on average or this anything is what like that. He says that his meetings it's, every week. <laughs> it's not like that. Um, I hi, I'm Craig. I'm not one of those person, one of those people that is like you're worried about them falling overboard. But we we do like to go out and socially drink on cruises. I a big benefit of Royal Caribbean, especially when you get those drink packages, is I've had times where for a seven night cruise with the drink package, I've spent less than a three night cruise on Disney and what I end up paying for drinks, especially if I'm with Corey, because he's just a bad (laughs) influence. But that that says a lot when you can have it all paid for up front before you leave for seven nights. And that's that's cheaper than what you could end up on a three, Drinks four, or seven. Drinks are also very expensive on cruise ships. Yes. Yeah. Like we, on very, very limited occasions, we'll have a drink, and it'll be like a specialty drink. And it's like 13 or $16, yep. and you think, okay, this is insane. So there's always that ability to really overspend if yes. you don't have a drink package. I also want to talk about the soda package. It's something I get on every cruise. I understand that soda is free on the Disney ship. But it's free on deck nine. And in the restaurants. And in the restaurants. However, if you're walking around the ship, unless you want to walk back to that soda station on near the pool and get a Dixie cup of soda, I with if I pay for my soda, I can go to any bar on a Royal Caribbean ship and they'll give me a soda. I just show them my card with the little sticker on it. I don't have to bring that um the cup with with me the other thing is on the royal caribbean ship when you do that uh soda package you have access to the uh what do they call those specialty freestyle machines that was the word i couldn't think of it there's a couple of them all over the ship so your options are a little better i don't like having to have one particular place that i have to go to on a ship in order to get a drink i like to be able to do it wherever i am Yep, you have to really do your research and figure out what's going to be the price difference for you and what you want and what you want included in it, and then figure it out from and there. And I don't want. There are times when the gap is really, really big, yeah. and then there's times when it's not. Right. So we find it's the way not we, we find when rule. we travel, we always do better on Royal. It just happens to be how we like to travel and what we like to do. The other thing is but, that you and I enjoy a casino. No, absolutely. So that's a big that's, that's a, a big, big difference. differentiation. 
All right, moving on. Question number eight, I think we're on. When will I be able to book Disney's new ships? Do you know what itineraries they will be doing and or where they are sailing from? We know all of that information, but we refuse to share it with any of you. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Um, we do know, information just came out actually recently for recording this, that Port Canaveral is going to be expanding. Yep. And so one of the Disney ships will be out of Port Canaveral. They're actually the building new a new terminal. Yep, they're, they're expanding, I think, the one that Royal goes to now is what they're doing. Eight or six or ten, I don't know. It's some number. And so one, there'll be two ships at Port Canaveral often. I would be surprised if it's not two new ones. You think they'll have two new ones and then move either the Dream Fantasy? I think Fantasy. because they'll, they put the Dream of Fantasy there when they were new. Yeah. And those are the um, revenue-making itineraries, the three- and four-night Bahamas and the seven-night Caribbean. Those are the money makers. So I think they're going to put their newest bigger. ships, newer, bigger ships in that market, mm-hmm. close to Disney World. In my opinion, that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see three ships. Eventually, but I, yeah. I would be interested to see if there will be three ships going out of there or if one of the newer ships is going to be to service a different market. Disney doesn't have a ship on a regular basis no, I mean, in Asia. There'll be three ships. I was ships. just going to say, I think one of the oh, newer ships will go to Asia. Yeah, I think three ships, meaning one of the older ships, oh, one of the yeah. classic And I think what be. happens is the older ships will kind of come in, in and around other seasons. Kind of like what they're doing now. Yeah. yeah Maybe they'll port permanently one of the ships on the West Coast, um, you know, with the... Because it does Alaska through... Yeah. So, I mean, they're moving ships. I think... You'll see the Dream of Fantasy is still a fairly decent-sized ship, yep. so they're still going to be limited to where they can go and what they can do with those ships. I would not be surprised when that one doesn't service the Asian market, yeah, the Asian ports. Other cruise lines are putting permanent ships yep. in that area. But there's so. Disney. Now they could... Um, yeah, they have Disney parks that they can... Right. I think having a ship near the Disney parks, like you just said, the two ships near Disney World, I think a lot of people... Go back yeah. and forth. So I think having one in the Asian markets that could service the Asian parks. You're going to see, you'll see dedicated ones that are going into Europe and doing Mediterranean cruises. And those specialty cruises, fjord cruises and things like that are super popular. So they'll continue those. We don't know. You just We just don't know. We know when they're expected to be delivered and produced. It's going to be a long time we... before we can book. Yeah. And in typical Disney style, it'll be the last possible hour. Right. We'll have minimal notice. Um, you know, we're all, many of us have already started our therapy to prepare for the new. It's eleven thirty-five now. You can book at eleven thirty-eight. Right, right. So, I mean, on, at this point, if it follows similar schedule, if you're looking at the first ship coming in twenty twenty-one, it would probably be sometime in twenty twenty. I mean, we're that's about as specific as we could be at this point. Yeah, and again, I can't. But we do have pricing. <laughs> yeah, we do have pricing. But again, itineraries will be, you know, our question mark, but we can speculate and guess all we want. I think it's I think there's some logic to what where these ships will go. All right. Well there's also seasons. I apologize. You can't do Alaska in the winter. Right, exactly. You can't do Europe in the winter no, as far as Mexican hospitable. Riviera out right. of, you know, LA and all that stuff. So they'll they'll figure it out and they'll get your money somehow. Don't worry about it. All right. Our next question. You did a show about bringing your dogs on vacation. Can I bring my dog on a cruise? Is there any cruise line that allows pets? Um, except for service animals, the answer is no, with one exception. 
He's very excited. I'm very excited. He did research. He did. I did research on this. I I was very excited to find this. Um, One cruise line, Cunard, allows dogs and cats, but no birds. On certain transatlantic cruises on the Queen Mary 2. There's a lot of restrictions. It's It's only possible on transatlantic voyages that do not have any ports of call. Um, the dog. So it's their freight department. <laughs> well, so if listen. you're moving from the United States to Europe in 1890, That's you it. can bring your dog. You know, you and Maggie Smith traveling together on um, Queen Mary too. The dog. Uh, it, there's a kennel. The kennels are very popular, so they fill up. Um, the thing is, is that the the pets have to stay in the kennel. So it's not like you can have the dog or the cat. Out. Right. Exactly. No. So this isn't a pleasure cruise. Yes, yeah, so like is a room dogs? for me in the kennel. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> me and the dog. So you know they get a lot of cool stuff. There is. Let me let me read this part. I think this is great. They get a lanyard. <laughs> no, they get. There's a full time kennel master who's responsible for the kennels. You sound more excited about that I'm than very, I would be. I'm very excited. They are uh, air conditioned, and there's a lot of perks involved. Let's see. There's an extra comfortable pet beds. There are. I wonder who decided that. You know, someone tried the kennel master tried them all out. <laughs> Healthy gourmet cookies for dogs and cats, baked fresh daily, fleece blankets, toys, cat posts and scratchers, and selection of premium pet foods from top brands. So I think you joked about it, but I think you hit the nail on the head. This is if someone is moving, you know, or going for the season, going for the season and going to stay Again. with their pet. It's 1890. <laughs> well, that's, I'm picturing the kennel master as like a magician with a cape and oh, welcome <laughs> to my kennel. Handlebar mustache. Yes, I exactly. built you a great kennel, Rose. <laughs> we say all the time, we would love, love, love to take our fin to Hawaii, be able to walk Hawaii oh. and run the beach. But I would never in a million years fly with him because. Do you know the quarantine rules? And yeah, well, that's just yeah. it. Exactly. You Between, have to know six months in advance and send Finn ahead of you. Yeah. And it's like the logistics are just not there. It's never going to happen. But I also wouldn't fly with him to Orlando. Yeah. So it's just not going to happen. Again, this is not, you're not traveling with your pet. You're not having your cat curl up in your lap at night while you're on a cruise. Right. This is there. And you have room. to be going. Transatlantic with no, no stops. stops. With no stops. <laughs> so it's not even like you can. There are stops, but you'll you won't take your dog out on the stops. There can literally be no stops. Uh, part of that is because of custom regulations right, of and health and mm-hmm. things like that. So you know that makes sense. I'm but thinking was, that's a niche. Can you imagine by the end of the 13th day how the kennel master smells <laughs> <laughs> from trying out those extra comfortable beds and baking cookies. Oh, sorry, that's right. a big handlebar mustache. <laughs> All right. Moving on. This will be our final question for this show. Because clearly we've gotten silly and we can't <laughs> yeah, handle anymore. <laughs> I'm picturing Maggie Smith with my dog. <laughs> I do that. And I, I'm just saying no birds. Why do you think no birds? Birds mm-hmm. smell terribly. And how they can't <laughs> oh, fly. Craig. Well, you <laughs> can put Email a bird Craig. in a kennel. Uh, uh, in a cage. You put a bird in a cage, right? It doesn't seem right. I don't know. Seems All right. Weird. So that's weird. All right. So our Who final. travels with their bird? <laughs> <laughs> Tanya Harding's mother. <laughs> she always travels with Our final question for this episode. I am going on my first cruise this summer, and I'm very nervous about the process of boarding and exiting the ship. I've read up on it as much as I can, but for some reason, navigating the boarding and customs, etc., has me freaked out. 
What kind of information can you share to put my mind at ease? Relax. I'm, yeah, <laughs> exactly. the easy part. Yeah. I think the thing is that, you know, people are, well, I, I want to have the right paperwork and I want to do the right thing and I want to make sure I get on. First of all, there's a lot of information ahead of time that you'll <laughs> receive that tells you what you need and what to do. And the other thing, too, is there's a lot of information at the port. So it's not like you just get there and all of a sudden, how do I find the door to the ship? You know, there's people ushering you in and welcoming you. And if you didn't fill out any of your paperwork, you can fill it out there. Mm -hmm. Don't put your paperwork in your suitcase that you're going to give to the porter to put on the ship. Or your ID. Or Or your your ID. You need a passport and an ID. Or passport is your ID. Keep that stuff with you. And it's, if you can board a plane, it's no more difficult than boarding a plane. It's just not. There's people guiding you along the way. Um, there is one area where it's different. So if you're sailing out of Vancouver, which Chris, or Chris, I keep calling you Chris, which Craig just experienced as well, um, it's very different. So you are actually clearing customs in the cruise terminal. Yeah. Um, so that adds an extra layer. And while I would say don't be stressed about it, it's not scary, it's not... Um, and again, there's people navigating you through the entire process. Um, it takes a little bit more time. If you are sailing out of Vancouver, um, allow a little bit of extra time. Know that it's it gets a little crazy and hectic. We've said this before. Embarkation days are crazy. Yeah. It just it's, exhausting. You're ex- it's busy. You're trying to figure out where you should be. There's lots of people. You're getting through security. You're kind of getting the the work of the cruise. That's kind of the first work thing you have to do and then the, the second work thing you have to do is when you do the muster drill yep. you know we have to be inconvenienced for that and then it's just fun yeah then but vacation starts yeah you can't let security like especially at port canaveral that's the first thing you do as soon right. as you you get out you go straight to security and sometimes you look at those lines and you're like i just want my vacation to start and it's a little bit daunting and you know it, it is stressful but after that it is just smooth sailing and whether it's disney royal caribbean any cruise line i've ever been on after you get through that first security part you can't walk 10 feet without seeing another person who works for the terminal and is more than happy to guide you along your way and answer any questions i will say that when you get it go in the terminals are lovely the terminals are joyful and cheery and when you get off you go from being on a beautiful ship into a warehouse. There is nothing glamorous about it. Get your luggage. You walk through customs. They say, you know, did you bring any fruit? Did you bring any of this? They stamp your passport, and you get on your transportation yeah. to go home. There is nothing glamorous about disembarkation. Yeah, and if you're worried about the process on the way out, I I refuse. The, the first time since I think the first time I've cruised that I've put my bags out to be taken the night before was this past one. I never I never put my bags out the night before. I always carry them off. And it is so, you know, it, it can be. It, you're hauling a lot of bags at some point. Yeah. But Not only that. I think for a family that's tough. Right. Yeah, that's it a is. lot of juggling. To but do I it. also have to say most people won't think of this. If you're pulling your luggage off, understand that whatever size ship you're on, everybody's getting off. You're all getting off the ship at the same time. So elevators become scarce and crowded. So if you've got a handful of bags to pull with you, you're going to stand at that elevator bank and wait for a quite a while. A lot of people are going up to the buffet to eat before they leave, and a lot of people are leaving. So I find I understand what you're saying, and if it's just John and I and we've packed lightly, we've done it. Yeah. 
However, I've also thought to myself, just take it. Yeah, on a on a three or four night, that's what I'm saying. On a seven night with the full family, absolutely not. But if you're all going on with small, uh, mostly just carry on luggage for a, a quick cruise, for me, that's just what I do. It takes when you get down to the final portion and you see all those bags sitting out there, even though they're organized very well and they should be easy to find. For me, and, and the part the part of my life I'm at. I just like having my stuff with me, and I can just wave at all those bags and walk right to customs and get out and on my way. So I'm going to tell you something else now. When you book a concierge suite, you get off first. You have someone who walks you down, kisses you on each cheek before you leave. <laughs> bypasses the... Um... You bypass that big line of people. So, again, there's perks to, to booking that. And you had binoculars. And, and binoculars. for those of you who didn't book the concierge suite... Uh, one tip I always give my cl- people who ask is um, when you get off the ship and you're coming down into this warehouse that Kevin described where all the luggage is, there's always porters there. Yeah. You'll see them. They've got their carts. Um, I always enlist one of them, and I always say it's the best, depending on how many bags I have, 10 to $20. I'm usually tipping them, and depending how far they're going with me after they help yeah. me. But I would say on average, 20 bucks I give them. Um, they come with me. I, they asked me where, what stateroom I was in so or what my tag was. the one was. they were talking about. Yep. What my, they asked me what my tag was. Yep. Um, they take me right to my luggage. They load my luggage. They know how to navigate those lines. Through they know how to get lines. me through customs yep. because they want to get back to help the next person. Yeah. Don't be don't be cheap. Get that porter. Yep. And they've right actually away. helped me like right to my car. And put the stuff I in your car. It. Yep. So I say always say that's the best money I spend on a cruise yeah. is getting that assistance at the end because whether or not I need the help carrying my bags, they help me navigate it, that it and it's stress-free. All I got to do is be able to keep up with them. I want to say this too. I think a lot of people get nervous about going through customs when you leave mm-hmm. a ship. A couple of things. The U.S. customs process has been streamlined incredibly well. It used to be you filled out a piece of paper if you were a U.S. citizen traveling in, into and out of a U.S. port. You used to have to fill a piece of paper, and they would ask you a series of questions and all this stuff. It's pretty much now, you no more paper. You go up. It depends on the agent you get. They may ask you a question or two, but for the most part, it's, did you have a nice cruise? Yes. You're Show them your, your passport yeah. and go. Something else you need to consider, and the cruise line should warn you of this over and over and over again. No matter what cruise you get on, you're going to get a key card. That's going to be your ID to get on and off the ship. It's going to be your room key. It's going to be your charging key. Just like any resort you go to now, you get a room key. You have to have that to get off the ship. So just because your cruise is over, don't think you can stick it in your suitcase or, Uh you know, throw it away. You have to scan out. You have to scan out. That's how they know you left the ship. Excuse me. <clears throat> that's right. That's how they keep track of you. That's how they and keep it's also how you. they keep track if you didn't pay your account and you're trying to leave. Right. They put you back. The man ahead of me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Every single back. cruise I'm on, that happens. And I will also tell you, don't put it in your bag. Don't put it in your wallet. Don't put it in your purse. Because all those people behind you are so annoyed right. that you've got to dig it out. That's right. So <laughs> Keep it handy and then just yep. scan it and go. Scan it out and then that's your last job. I think the biggest piece of advice is just don't freak out about it. Don't yeah. worry about it. Just relax. It's really very easy. The idea of it is way yeah. scarier than the reality of it. And it's I think more than scary, it's annoying. It is. Absolutely. It's like going to the it's airport. It's not fun. It's not yeah. fun. And you're not going to have fun until your mustard drill ends. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's when your vacation starts, when they blow all those little whistles and tell you, okay, you're done. Go to the Cass Alloway party. Excellent. All right, that'll do it. That's our last question. Thank you guys for helping me with that. Thank you, everybody 
at home for listening and watching. We truly appreciate it. We hope you have a great week, and we hope you have a great vacation.